Welcome to the Relentless Pursuit Podcast. A great task remains, and we all have a role we can play. But what do we do with the questions we have about missions, about walking with God, about ourselves? Well, here's a space for us to wrestle and discover together. We don't have to have it all figured out to take our next step. Today, I have the privilege of getting to interview Sarah. She is the other half of who we interviewed last episode, Steve. Sarah would first and foremost describe herself as a daughter of the King because of her great passion of teaching others about who they are in Christ. She and her husband, Steve, have been married for 23 years, and they have two beautiful daughters, Annie Lee and Julia. Sarah presently lives in Germany, uh, and she would say she is on loan from the French. Uh, She enjoys expressing her passion for God in words as a singer, songwriter, author, and painter. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm so glad to have you. Uh, okay, so if, if all you remember, Steve kind of gave us his um, rundown of where he and Sarah have been and kind of where Ministry Within Pioneers has taken them all over the globe. But I want to hear your uh, rendition of that, Sarah. So could you give us um, just a snapshot of where you have been so far and where God has kind of taken you throughout your ministry with Steve? Yeah. um, You know, I met Steve in my mid-20s. I had already been involved in missions uh, since I was 18. Uh, My father is a pastor, a church planter, so there was also traveling there. So I will will give a snapshot. I can't go through my whole passport because there's too many countries really to count. But um, in meeting Steve, we met on the Mercy Ship as uh, this ship was sailing from Europe to Africa. And I would say our first couple of countries together before we were even married or even dating, yeah, was uh, Germany, France, and then on to Africa, on to South Africa. And then we married. And after that, we uh, decided that, yeah, it was going to be Senegal, West Africa, and go to the Wolof people. So we traveled to France where we did language study for a year and we gathered a team. And then we went to Senegal where we ministered for over four years. Our youngest was born with a chronically ill disease and we had to leave there. And then the Lord uh, graciously brought us to France. We're in Germany and who knows what's next. I've got room in my passport. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's that's also a quick version, which is not very typical of me. I'm more of the detailed person that gives um, all of the different things along the way. But um, yeah. Oh, been, hey, that was perfect. Yeah. Well, Steve will <laughs> be impressed. He'll be impressed. That was before. <laughs> No, that was a great rundown. Thanks for walking us through that. I I mean, I've heard this now from Steve, but even hearing it again, I, my mind is just blown at how God has uh, obviously brought you two together and given you um, such a beautiful life of, of traveling and being involved in so many um, opportunities around the world. So uh, today, Sarah, I'm excited to talk to you about resiliency. And uh, for all those who've been kind of following us throughout our series here, um, you know, we've talked about some more maybe um, weightier topics such as biblical suffering, biblical risk, um, these things that really kind of take the wind out of us at times when we actually are faced with them. But today we're going to talk about resiliency and kind of how this is such a 
uh, important piece of the puzzle, important piece of our conversation. So Sarah, can we kick off our time um, hearing a bit about your understanding of resiliency? So um, perhaps what does that mean to you? And then even uh, if you can, where do we see this come to life throughout scripture? Yeah, uh, I, you know, what is resilience? Um, For me, resilience is suffering, surrounded, covered in grace. Um, Wow. Can you repeat that? That was great. You know, not that you, (laughs) I know you just had an episode on, on, you know, biblical suffering. Uh, Resilience, sadly, (laughs) Uh, comes it does come through suffering, suffering well, suffering over and over. Uh, God's grace it enables us to have a posture, a posture of surrender, of humility, in the face of repetitive, persistent difficulties. That um, that for me is resilience. So this almost seems like, oh, sorry to cut you off. I want to hear more about that. But just to even check in, it sounds like then this kind of goes hand in hand with our conversation on suffering or almost Mm -hmm. you you can't really practice resiliency unless you are experiencing great trial, great suffering. If there's nothing to be resilient about, then, you know, we can't kind of experience the joy of this. So I'm, I'm tracking with you basically is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's the fruit. Yeah. It's the fruit of our suffering. It's the, the graces, it's the gifts, the unexpected gifts that come out of our suffering. And, you know, for in the Bible, I, I love Paul in the sense he's he's a real hero for me just because of all the different things that he suffered. And in the beginning, too, you know, he was fighting. He was going against the way he he really was against Christianity and he did horrible things. And um, he just was captured by God's grace. He was chased down by God's mercy. And through that um, redeeming power of Christ in his life, he had this grace given to him for the suffering that he was going to endure for the name of Christ. So before he caused suffering, after he begins to suffer, and yet I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, very well known, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And we forget sometimes the verse that came before it, which is Paul was tormented. He was in pain. He was in agony, whether it was mental, whether it was physical. And he pleaded, he pleaded and pleaded for God um, to take it away. You know, and they mentioned three times. And when there's ever a number in the Bible, two times, three times something, it's giving emphasis is that he was just, um, He was begging God to take this away. And yet God says, my grace that is surrounding this suffering is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your suffering and in your weakness. And so the reason I love Paul so much is not only has he pleaded and he's honest with God, And then God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm leaving this. Then Paul goes on and he's going to boast. He like exalts 
and this horrible, uncomfortable, um, tormenting situation so that Christ's power will continue to sustain him and work through him in it. Uh, that is a verse that I go to many times with the different sufferings that um, we've encountered as a family, that we've encountered with our children, that we've encountered personally. Um, that posture that Paul had of uh, just asking God, give me this grace, you give me this grace you gave Paul, that at the end, I will actually even be able to boast in this very trial because you're the one that is sustaining me and you it's your power that's flowing through me. Holy moly, we are like five minutes into this thing and already I feel just, wow, I feel so grateful for your perspective because what I'm hearing then is within our within this um, practice, this rhythm of resiliency and and seeing it come alive on the pages of scripture and then seeing it apply in our life, it's almost like this is the triumphant, th- this leads to kind of our triumphant mountaintop, uh, just privilege, just, just excitement in following God is if it almost helps us to feel like Wow, this is certainly not a waste. My my suffering it, it will lead to the fruit of resiliency and and how I get to boast of what God has done in my life. And so, yeah, yeah this is just such already a big uh, a big thing, a big topic. So we've heard what it is. Um, what is it not? That's kind of a weird question, but uh, yeah, it, is there kind of a watered down a watered down counterfeit version of this to be aware of? I think, um, yeah, the opposite, uh, you know, what is not resilience? And I think the world we're in, um, the messages were fed, you know, even into the world has really seeped into the church. It seeped into missions. It seeped into my heart. And uh, before all of this uh, suffering that uh, I started to endure um, once, uh you know, I, I got on the mission field. I really did think that, um, you know, resilience was like this independent, the self-sufficient, the, you know, handling problems, working harder. And what I found is that is not resilience. Resilience isn't resistance. You know, it's not uh, fighting against the hardships. It's not, you know, taking on these situations and, being you know self sufficient, independent of others, that is not that's not resilience. That's that's resistance, and that is I, I always picture it as you know it's not an open posture, a posture of my hand open of surrendering myself to to God, um, having a posture of humility, and with an open palm of you take. And you give, you give and you take. It's not for me to hold on to. Um, And for me, resilience is definitely not uh, being an island, being alone. It's not, it it is being in community. It's climbing on the back of someone who's strong, a strong God, a strong community around us. It definitely is not um, being, you know, uh, 
a, a lone lone ranger that's out there that's that's fighting things. It's definitely a posture of receiving and a posture of humility. I'm really glad you clarified that, that because that's helpful even for me to think, okay, I don't want to confuse what is a fruitful biblical version of this practice with a counterfeit, something that's cheap, something that would just sustain me for a half hour um, and make me feel like I'm I'm strong and I can do this. And, and yeah, I'm really glad you clarified. Um, Sarah, before you went to the field, how did you prepare for uh, kind of quote unquote the rough things that would happen? And even did you expect them? Did did you expect these trials to kind of uh, come with with ministry in the field? Well, you know, we we didn't choose uh, one of the most comfy places on the planet to live. Uh, the Sub-Saharan <laughs> Desert, uh, West Africa, Senegal, uh, with a very proud, resistant people to the gospel, we were aware. Uh, we were aware and we had spent time on the ship in different parts of West Africa. I was aware of the religion. I was aware of the culture, you know, the language, the people and that. So I did. I was aware of the hardships. And we also had missionaries before us that had been in Senegal share with us a lot of the, the different hardships that we would face. So I, I was aware um, and I did prepare, I believe, as much as I could have prepared. Educationally, you know, learning and researching, I was involved in cross-cultural ministry, working with refugees in my, my local church. I received pre-field counseling uh, about different concerns that I had, different things that, you know, maybe would, once I arrived on the field, these things would come to the surface. How would I deal with them? But I would say, you know, the mission field is a lot like skydiving. And, you know, you get an understanding of what you're going to do, that you're going to go up in a plane, that this is going to happen, that you're going to need to pull a cord. But you don't really understand the full impact, you know, until you jump out of the plane. Boom. And um, I would say that is exactly what happened to us the very day that uh, we got off the plane and arrived in Senegal. It was um, it was hard. It was difficult. And everything that you had learned and everything that you'd been dreaming about and you'd been hearing about, um, everything immediately was just shifted. All of a sudden, everything was put into practice. Wow. I... The illustration of skydiving kind of in, in comparison is, yeah, that's quite a, a visual. I... Uh, I feel like with your mindset of kind of preparing as well as you can, I mean, even like yeah. personally, uh, emotionally, uh, spiritually, but then also knowing that, gosh, you're certainly not going to know until you're there to an extent. And so kind of being prepared with that and open-handed. Uh, if we can, Sarah, can we hear a bit more about some of the trials that that you have walked through since being on the field? And I know this is probably we could probably all talk, you know, all day about yeah. things that we've walked through in our lives. But for you specifically, what have been some of the things that you've had to exercise resiliency over um, some of the trials throughout your time? Yeah, you know, uh, it's been 22 years of um, being on the field overseas with my husband. And um, we've seen, yeah, there's, uh, I feel like, you know, you name it, it's happened. 
but uh, mostly our trials, the really deep ones, the ones that are the the closest to our heart and that trip us up the most really are our family's health. And we've had uh, various um, physical illnesses, uh, chronic. We at, at the present, three of us have a chronic disease. <clears throat> our daughter, Annie, is the only one that, that does not. And uh, uh, my husband and I both have chronic Lyme disease. And our daughter, Julia, has uh, a few different ones. Her main is her um, genetic blood disease. She has a genetic anemia that requires uh, monthly transfusions. Um, and so this, yeah, it is the part of the physical suffering which affects your um, mental health, affects your emotional health, affects your spiritual health. And we've been doing that now for, well, Julia is 16 years old right now. So this has been ongoing for about 16 years. Um, yeah, physical illness, that's that's where we seem to get hit quite a bit. Hmm. Wow, thanks for sharing that. Uh, for any family that battles, um, you know, health um, kind of diseases and, and things that really impact their well-being. And then on top of it, you know, being folks who have traveled and transitioned and been, you know, in different countries all throughout their lives. Uh, I just can't imagine what that feels like, or even what's going on in your mind of God, why is this happening? Good grief. Yeah. You know, it would be great to not have to wrestle through health problems while, you know, really wanting to impact and love and and be with a people overseas. So how have some of those trials uh, or even like with, with the health concerns for your family, how has that really impacted your time on the field? Or what has it felt like when you feel yeah. maybe, God, why, why mm. would this be happening when I really want to be so present um, and so fruitful here in country? Yes, that is such a great question because uh, I can just say from many other missionary families, uh, ladies that I'm very close with all around Europe, um, that has been one of the biggest struggles, uh, not just for myself, but for these other women when a child feel, falls ill or their husband or they themselves, whether it's from malaria, you know, in Senegal that can last a couple of weeks up to these, these chronic diseases uh, that you, you feel like it's such a, at the time you feel like it's such a distraction. You, you know, you physically are ill and you physically just want to reject what's happening in your body because in your mind, you know, you have prepared, you have given up, you have sacrificed. All these people are sacrificing for you to be there and you're having to spend this time on health. It's, it's really becomes a little bit of a mind game and it can be something that if um, isn't attended to in uh, community and, and saying these things out loud and sharing them, it can become very isolating. And uh, pretty soon, and, I, and this has happened to me at different times, pretty soon you feel very isolated, feel very alone, and you feel like, why am I even here? And what is this even for? And, and you can begin to even doubt, you know, your calling. So um, 
it, it really can become something that is a deterrent. And I know I've, many women have shared with me their struggles of, of illness themselves or their children or someone in their family uh, of feeling like, what is this all for? Um, and you can very quickly, um, you almost even develop a wrong biblical view of suffering. You see it as an enemy. You see it as um, something deterring you, keeping you from what God has instead of a porthole or a door into uh, something God is opening for you and, and calling you into. And he has for us the last 16 years had a mission for us, and it is suffering. It is, it is physical illness. We, we've prayed for healing. We have had people pray for us for healing. We have had people supportive, people not as supportive um, of, of, you know, why we aren't healed. Um, but God has shown us that it, it really isn't a distraction. It's a path to him. And again, that's just going back to what is our posture in all of this is my hand is my fist gripped and am I shaking it at him or is it open and am I um, willing to receive and take from a loving father a loving God uh, what he has for me at this exact time Oh, totally. I love uh, your perspective there. And I, I love that you said this is a pathway to God. It's a, it's a path that leads to God. And, and that just seems in a worldly sense, so counterintuitive that, you know, um, something that is so challenging and just seems so ill-fitting would be a blessing, would, would be something that makes us need and crave God and, and to walk with him. But um, from how it sounds from you, it's, it's, it is something that even brings a heart of praise. It, it can bring us to a place of, wow, this is, I'm in a, such a, a desperate feeling kind of vulnerable place where it is leading me even closer to God. Um, so in your experience, um, how do we walk with God in the midst of being resilient? And at the same time, for you, um, has, has there been things that God has revealed to you about himself um, or, or things that you have learned deeply about God in the midst of walking with him in resiliency? Yes, yes. I would say this resilience, which I say, you know, is suffering covered in grace, um, is that he has showed me that I can just rest. And coming from a pastor's family, my dad was a church planter, being a Enneagram 3, um, which for those who don't know what that is, that's very much, um, it's very much, you know, working and uh, success and you know, failure is a bad thing. And so you're always uh, working harder, trying to perfect things about yourself. Uh, and I have found through all this that I can't work, that I can't make myself better. I can't heal my Lyme disease. I can't heal my nerve damage. I can't heal my daughter's, you know, uh, low hemoglobin or her itching disease. I, I, he has taken me and he is taking me to the end of myself continually. 
showing me that um, it is really grace alone, that it is um, that it is only his strength that can carry me through the day that I can get on the back of someone who's strong. I, as a little girl loving to ride on my dad's back, that is such a great picture of God, the father that says climb on. And yeah, he showed me uh, in this time of suffering that he is um, somebody strong that can carry these burdens that I was never meant to carry. My, my shoulders are weak. You know, I thought, I thought I could carry Julia's illness. I thought I could carry my illness. I thought I could carry my husband's. Um, my shoulders are weak. And yet I can really boast in that because God has really strong shoulders and he can carry all these things for me. And really it is just my posture of letting them go and just throwing them onto his shoulders. Hmm. Thank you for that visual, that uh, the way that we can experience more of God through our resiliency doesn't necessarily lead us further away from him. It draws us in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love that you're talking so much about even you know, for your own life, yes, but also for your children. Uh, uh, that's an aspect that maybe only a, a portion of our listeners might be in a season of life where they are modeling this for their children. Um, but for those who, I mean, but for all of us, we all want to know, you know, how do you model a lifestyle of being resilient and enduring um, kind of as you're modeling this for children or even for your teams? I know that you and Steve have led several teams and led several people in the field. So what does it look like to, to model this, this rhythm, this lifestyle? Well, <clears throat> uh, for me, I'm just a very kind of honest, authentic person. So for me, it's, it's, it's being real. It's not really hiding it's not hiding uh, how I'm feeling or the realities of the difficulties we're going through with, you know, pat answers or even even scriptures, taking them, you know, making them very trite. It is it, being authentic. And I, I tried to be that with the girls of not hiding my struggle, not hiding my suffering. Of course, you need to be careful. I, I can't, you know, say to my daughter, Julia, Oh, your illness. It's so exhausting. You know, it's just so hard yeah. for me. I'm not going to make it. I mean, you, you, as a parent, you have to learn very much of what, what you share publicly and what you cry in private, what you, what you struggle in private. Mm -hmm. But the, the part of just saying, you know, when she's done and she's tired and she's sick of it, you know, to say, this does stink your disease. You're right, Julia. It really, it really does stink. And it's getting really old. That's the first thing. It's just, I believe that's what Jesus does with us. He doesn't, he doesn't hide the situation. He looks at it. He grieves. He cries with us. He says, yeah, this disease stinks. But then the second part is, is, and he says, come to me, come to me. And uh, that's the thing also that I try to model is being real but also go to Jesus because he is available. He's welcoming and he's running towards you. Um, so the fact that we can be real, we can be authentic, but we also show them that Jesus is waiting. They can go to Jesus. 
that he's got the strong shoulders, that he's got, um, he's got the answers, that he is the one that can carry our burdens. I, I cannot carry my daughter's chronic illness. And I've tried, I've tried and it just, I'm wrecked. It, it just absolutely wipes me out, but, but he can. And so it's just bringing those things to him and uh, just trying to lead our kids of be real, be honest. This reality is, it stinks right now for us, but we can go to Jesus. Oh, good night. This is, no one can see this, but as you were speaking, my posture just kind of collapsed because I felt so relieved at what you were saying. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for modeling that because, you know, I think what in my mind would be such a danger for our lives for, especially as we are responding to this invitation that God's given us to be kingdom workers, to be kingdom minded and to be overseas, um, reaching the unreached. It would be such a danger for us to teach our children and to model for our teams that, well, God called us. So this doesn't bother us. We just do what God calls us to do. Mm -hmm. And, and we are these superhumans and, and this is, we were made for this. So we're not going to cry, you know, like just having these kind of overly gritty mentalities and resisting, like you said, that's not what resiliency is. We don't resist what's happening, but like you said, we, we, you have full, you've taught your children to, wow, we, we are embracing this, but man, we can be honest that this is the absolute worst. This is so hard. And I am in this with you and, um, practicing authenticity with your kids and your teams and, and those who are walking with you, um, in, in the field. And so, Wow. Thank you for modeling that. That's, that is an incredible picture of even how God receives us and God listens to us and, um, he comes when we cry out. And so, uh, yeah, that is such a sweet note for us to, to land on today. Um, Sarah, I'm so thankful for your story, your experiences and your, um, your insight on resiliency. Thank you so much for, for sharing this with us today. Thanks so much for uh, asking me. I, I consider it such a privilege. I don't take it lightly. And even sharing all these things again, it is, it's just really humbling, you know, to just see God's, um, his grace that he really pours out during times of suffering. He pours out so much grace that there's actually even a sweetness and there are unexpected graces that that come out of this. I, I don't want this podcast to scare any new any new people that are considering missions. And that is is God's presence has been even sweeter, even sweeter than the than the the bitterness or the saltiness of the trials. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. That's so true. Uh, Finally, though, we want to hear a little bit about one of your recent um, creative talents that you've exercised in the field. You've written a song recently. Um, Can you tell us about that and where we can find it? Yeah, I'll just give you a little bit out of that. So this song came out of uh, my time with Lyme. When when I came down with Lyme, it was a Sunday morning. I had just finished uh, the back cover of of a children's book that I was writing called Orphalina. I had just finished that. I I went to bed and I woke up in the morning with this incredible like white heat pain in the back of my neck and my left, the left side of my body was paralyzed. And I went through a year of of rehab. I I lived in bed on the couch. I 
it was just a really painful two years coming out of that. But like what I said, there's these unexpected gifts that God gives you through them. And so after those two years, when we first moved to Germany, the Lord just started giving me these words about um, being still, holding still, standing still and not um, striving and straining and, you know, trying to be perfect and just really just letting it go and accepting his rest for me. Uh, because I did, I had to rest, you know, it took me as a, as a pastor's kid and Enneagram three, it took me two years really in bed to really have my soul at rest. I was, I had such a hurried, hurried soul, so much performance. And uh, he just did this work in my heart of being still that I can actually rest. And when I rest, I'm pleasing to him. So there's just a little bit of an intro of the song kind of describes the battle that still to this day goes on in me uh, of really trying to run ahead and trying to make things happen. And he's just telling me to stand still, to be still and know that he's God. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for uh, first of all, writing that song and, and kind of putting to words your experience. We will actually put this link of her song that she's written uh, in the show notes so y'all can hear it and enjoy it like we have. And so, um, Sarah, thank you so much. It's a privilege to know you and to hear your story and to share this time with you today. Thanks for making time for our discussion today. If you've got questions or feedback, send us a DM on our Instagram at Relentless Pursuit Podcast or contact us through our website at RelentlessPursuitPodcast.org. You are not alone in the relentless pursuit of God's glory. We are here with you and are passionate about helping you take your next step.